Welcome to Union Chapel and our first week in the series we're calling Upside Down. My name is Greg Paris. I'm the senior pastor here. Welcome to all of you, uh, not only in this room, but in our sanctuary simulcast. Uh, we also have numbers of people who watch our services on the podcast, so welcome to everyone. We're thrilled that you're here and we trust that God is already ministering to your life today. I have a question for you. How many of you know someone who's just a little bit different? You know, not quite normal. So maybe a little bit or maybe a lot. Just can't put your finger on it. But if you know someone like that, raise your hand. Yeah. Don't point. Just raise your hand. Yeah. We, we all know people like that. Jesus uh, said something in the verses that we've picked for our text today in Matthew chapter 7. And he said something that has inspired me now for 43 years as I've been a follower of Jesus in my life. And if you're just going to do like a normal kind of life today, and that's been your routine now perhaps for a long time, I, I pray that God will capture your heart through the words that Jesus said. So I'm going to read for us these verses, Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. If you have your Bibles with you, thanks for turning there. If not, we'll project the words on the screen for you. And as is our custom here, we invite people to stand to hear God's word. Thank you so much. Matthew chapter 7. And Jesus said, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Now, what did Jesus say? He said, enter through what kind of gate? The narrow gate. Because he said, wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And how many people enter through that? Many there be that find that. Think, think about this. Broad and road and wide is the road which the majority of people travel. And that's kind of unfortunate because most of us find comfort in knowing that we're kind of traveling along with the majority of people around us. We're doing what we're, they're doing, going where they're going, living the way they're living. We feel normal, right? And we must be okay because this is where the majority of the crowd is going. But unfortunately, though Jesus said many, that is the crowd, we could say the normal people are actually on a road, a broad road, a wide road that leads to destruction. Then he said but small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. And how many find it? Few, few there be that find it. May God honor his word and inspire us today through it. You may be seated. Thanks so much. In these next uh, several weeks, I'm going to be inviting you to follow the teachings of Jesus and lead an upside-down life, a different kind of life. Because even if we take the Bible aside... Take our faith aside and all of that and just look at this in a practical way. Most of us, perhaps all of us, would agree that normal in our world today is not working. Normal's not working. Uh, think, about, think about normal in terms of our schedules today. Overwhelmed, rushed, stressed, panicked, never enough time to do what's truly important because we're overwhelmed with the urgent and we're missing out on the real quality things in life? What is normal today when it comes to money? I mean, let's just be really honest. Normal 
is the pursuit of material things, which many of us have learned never really satisfy. Normal is broke, right? Normal is debt, yeah? Normal is financial fear. Normal is fighting and fussing about money. That's normal. Think about your professional life. What's normal today? Working for a paycheck, doing something you don't really like just to get by? Normal is feeling like there's got to be something more. You can't put your finger on it, but you just have that sense that there's got to be something else, something more. What's normal in relationships? Well, that's hopping from bed to bed with different people till you finally do get married. And then seven years into marriage, since things aren't going well, normal for more than half of the people in our country is divorce. Normal is not working. That's why I like to say kind of a key thought for this series If you're taking notes, it's on your outline there. It's the first thing that you see there that you can fill in a blank. And here's kind of a a key phrase that sums up the entire series. If you want what normal people have, then do what normal people do. If, on the other hand, you want what few people have, then do what few people do. If you want normal, then act normal. If you want what few people have, then do what few people do. Think about it. If you want that, uh, then you're going to have to leave the broad road and get into a narrow path where people may end up calling you a little bit different, a little bit out of step. And if you want what the few have, that is peace and joy and security, a sense of fulfillment, a sense of eternal destiny, if you want that, then you have to do what the few people do. Think about it in terms of the teachings of Jesus. You know, there's an interesting phenomenon in our culture right now, uh, we have a postmodern, post-Christian kind of culture, and there are growing numbers of people in our culture today who are just opposed to anything that's institutionalized in terms of religion. And, and, and so there's th- this pushback against organized religion and institutions of all sorts and varieties, just the suspicion that, that exists. But on the other hand, when when an emergent culture is asked the question, what do you think about Jesus? Most people still have a very high opinion of Jesus. Very interesting, isn't it? That people are suspicious of the church, but, but very interested, curious about Jesus. And perhaps one of the reasons about, for that is because Jesus' teachings are just different. They are not normal. For example, it says that you shall not commit adultery. Now, It still is true in our culture that most people agree with that statement. Do not commit adultery. Just about everyone goes, that's not good. Shouldn't do that. And so don't commit adultery. But Jesus says, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. But I say to you, don't even look lustfully at a woman. Whoever has looked lustfully at a woman has already committed adultery in his heart. Let's say that's different. That's different. Jesus said, if you want to be first, then you need to be last. Say that again. If you want to be first, Jesus said, then you need to be last. That's really different. That's really upside down. That's not normal. Jesus said, when you give, it will be given to you. That's that's so different. I mean, think about it. Uh, What's normal? Normal says, if you take, then it will be given to you. If you receive, then it will be given to you. But Jesus said, if you give, it will be given to you. So different, so unique. Jesus said, if someone hurts you, if someone hurts you, bless them. What? Yeah, if someone hurts you, 
bless them. It's so different. Love them, pray for them. That's so upside down, isn't it? Jesus said, if someone tags you on the cheek, cracks you on one side of the face, Jesus said, turn and let them hit you also on the other side of the face. If someone wrongs you, he said, forgive them. Not just once or once in a while, but every time they offend you. Forgive them. Seventy times seven, he said. That is so different. See, the teachings of Jesus, the the teaching of Scripture leads us off the normal broad path and leads us onto a narrow and different kind of path. So if you want to have what normal people have, then do what normal people do. But if you want to have what few people have, then do what few people do. Beth and I have been married 37 years. We just celebrated our wedding anniversary recently. And if you were here last week, you heard some of Beth's story about how she came to faith in Christ. And we literally came to a meaningful relationship with Jesus within a year of each other when we were teenagers. And so we began to not only uh, grow up together, but we began to grow in our faith together. And we began to develop values that were in keeping with our faith and a confidence in God's revelation through His Word. And, and so we began to make some decisions. And we can point to an occasion early in our marriage when we knelt beside our bed one day and, and we prayed a prayer. And basically our prayer was, Lord, we don't want to be normal. We don't, we don't want to go with the crowd. We want, we want to be different in a God kind of way. We want to, we want to kind of turn things upside down and live in a way that, that reflects your values and not the values of the world. And we ask for God's blessing on that. And God has been faithful to us. One of the things that we decided to do before we were married is that we wouldn't have sex before we got married because in our worldview, our Christian worldview, our biblical worldview, we believe that sexuality is reserved for the covenant of the marriage bed. And that sex is just one of those forces in the world, a very strong and powerful force, but something that needs to be managed in a God-honoring way, in the power of God. And so we decided we wouldn't have sex until we got married. And we dated, listen to me, we dated for six years before we got married. From the time we were juniors in high school all the way through college. And then we were married the summer after we finished college. And we didn't have sex before we were married. Now, we quickly began to make up for lost time. I can tell you that. <laughs> Another decision we made is that, that Beth would not work outside of the home as long as our children uh, were home and, and until they went to school. And so for 15 years, Beth was home and didn't work outside of the home. And that was just a decision that we made. Now, that's just a little different. That's not normal. And we believe if you have children that they should become a priority. And we believe the scripture when it teaches that children are a blessing from God. And so we did that a little bit different. Another thing that we did, uh, both of us have done this in our, in our careers, if, if you will. And one of the, the axioms that we have lived by is that if we will take care of the depth of our relationship with Jesus, then he will take care of the breadth of our influence. Did you get that? If you take care of the intimacy that you have with Christ, he will take care of whatever influence he has for your life. So, so we just a- adopted an attitude that says, look, I don't have to posture myself. I don't have to meet the right people. I don't have to climb the ladder. I don't have to be ambitious about the next level. All I have to do is serve God faithfully, take care of my relationship with him, and he'll take care of the influence of our lives. 
And I suspect that's one of the reasons that we're still here 33 years later <laughs> pastoring this church, because I've never had any ambition to do anything else. We went out to that cornfield 33 years ago. There's 70 people out in a little cornfield church. We said, great, put down a stake right here. We're going to bloom or we're planted. That's a little bit different. In these ways and in other ways, we've tried to, we've tried to live our lives in an upside-down world. So let me just say very humbly, 37 years into our marriage now, we really do have a great marriage. Now, we're not perfect, but I will say that we, we rarely fight. Uh, I would add also that, that Beth can be a bit demanding. I mean, she wants to make out all the time. Can be exhausting. But otherwise, it's just been wonderful. So look, to build a foundation for this series, I want to give you two really simple thoughts. They're so simple, they're so elementary that I always, almost hesitate to use them, but I put them in the outline, so, so here they are. The first one is this. Upside-down people don't think like normal people think. Upside-down people don't think like normal people think. Now, when you see something that you admire or respect in another person's life, could I just encourage you, don't just go jump, jump after that pattern and, and try to imitate other people. Uh, because sometimes you may be chasing after values that aren't in keeping with God's best plan for your life. Get inside of the way these people that you admire, get inside of the way they think. Find out what drives that person. Find out how they think, how they make decisions, because upside-down people don't think like normal people think. Here's what the Scripture says about this. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. I'll put this on the screen for you. It says, don't conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, you see that, that thought pattern there? Transformation, cha real change comes in our lives because of the way we think. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So don't live like normal people. That's, that's foolish. Let, let your way of thinking be completely changed. You don't want to think the way the crowd thinks. You don't want to think about the way everybody else thinks. You want to think about the way God wants you to think about your life. I love the way the message, the, this paraphrase of the Bible, kind of a devotional version says it. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Wouldn't you agree that so many people today just fit into the culture without even thinking? Wouldn't you agree? But the Bible says, instead, fix your attention on God, not on everybody else, but on God, and you'll be changed from the inside out. Could I challenge you to think about this, to change the way you think about the way you manage your time or your money or your relationships or your sexual energy or your core values in life? Change the way you think. And it's important because the way you think determines the way you behave, and what you think determines what you become. See, upside-down people will say, should I do this? Not can I do it, will it fit in, but should I do it? Because upside-down people are always measuring things based on the overriding plan and purpose of God for their lives, and so they measure opportunities that come to them against God's plan and not against what other trends are suggesting to them. And so what happens is upside-down people live such a different kind of life that they're able to say no to even good things, good choices, in order to prefer that which is best 
because God really does have a best plan. Think about it in terms of money. Think about that. The way the world is today, what's normal? We've mentioned this before. Normal, when you think about money, is broke. Broke people think about money day to day. People who have no money at all in culture, they think about, they think about money day to day. Can I get through the day? What do I have to do to make, make it today? Can I get enough food to survive today? People who are not quite that broke, they think week to week. Can I make it through the week? Do I have enough resource to make it? Then most normal people, people where I live anyway, we tend to think month to month. Do I have enough money to make it to the end of the month? Most normal people are living that way. But let me tell you how wealthy, wealthy, think, <laughs> wealthy people think. <laughs> they think year to year. Year to year. Even more wealthy people, they think decade to decade. And the wealthiest people I know, as I get inside their mind, they think generation to generation. Recently, I was at a, at a board meeting at my seminary, my grad school where I served there, and, and there was a, a benefactor, a gentleman there and his family who have donated millions, tens of millions of dollars to the institution. So this guy's in a whole nother category. And he was there, and I just noticed he was kind of by himself before a dinner that we were sitting down to. And so I just went over and kind of saddled up next to him because I want to know what an uber-wealthy person thinks, how they think about their wealth. And so I, I kind of edged into the conversation a little bit and, and finally got it to the point where he was, he was actually talking about his philosophy. Now, you understand, this guy, this guy has lots and lots of money. He has more money than he could ever spend in his lifetime. And so here he is. And he's not worrying about whether or not he's going to lose his house next month. He's not, he's not wondering if there's going to be enough to make it. That's not the way he thinks. He's not even thinking about next year. In his case, he's not even thinking about 10 years from now. He's thinking generationally now about his wealth and how he can push out the borders of the kingdom of God from generation long after he's gone. So in his worldview, he's saying, I want to be able to instill in my children and my children's children and for them to instill in their children after them so that when I die and leave these resources and this huge foundation that's designated to be, to be given away to causes that matter in the world that push out the borders of the kingdom of God here and there in loving, gracious ways. He said, I, I, I want to posture my life in such a way that five generations from now, my family is still honoring God in a different kind of way. How cool is that? But how would you know that unless you try to think the way different people think? Because that's not normal. That's not normal. That's a whole different way to look at it. Think about it in terms of relationships, not just about money, but in relationships. You don't want to do what normal people do. What's normal? Can I just be honest about this and be blunt about it? Normal is sending your 15-year-old daughter on a car date with an 18-year-old hairy-legged guy that has precisely one thing in mind. Come on, parents. Normal is sleeping with half a dozen people, maybe a dozen, maybe far more, essentially doing married things on the front side of marriage, moving in together, pretending like you're married without ever actually having the holy covenant upon which to base your relationship. And after you've pretended marriage, doing married things, when things don't work out, what do you do? Well, you pretend to be married, so now you kind of practice divorce. You did all the married things, now you kind of divorce. So it's no wonder when you finally do 
get married and things don't go well, what do you end up doing? Well, you do what you've just been trained to do, what you've been practicing to do, which is what normal people do, and you just divorce and throw it in. If you want what normal people have, then do what normal people do. But if you want what few people have, then do what few people do. Upside down people don't think like normal people think. Let me just go to this second point. It's the last point for today. And it's simply this. Upside down people don't live like normal people live. They just don't. When you take scripture seriously, you'll be different from this world. You won't look like everyone else. You won't act like everybody else. You won't live like everybody else. Your values, once you have a personal encounter with God and begin to submit to his best plan for your life, your motives will change. Your values will be different. The way you live will change. The apostle Peter gives us insight into this. It's found in 1 Peter chapter 2. I want to read these two verses to you. Verses 11 and 12. He said, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Now notice how he addresses us as the people of faith. He calls us foreigners and exiles. What, what does he imply? He's implying that, look, we don't belong here. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. We have this momentary life that we live here on planet Earth in these Earth suits, and it will soon be passed. And so the next life is where the real business starts. In the meantime, you're just a foreigner. You're an exile. You don't belong here. You're not from here. So you shouldn't have to learn all the nuances of culture. You shouldn't blend in all that much because you're different. You're not from here. And so he says, as foreigners, abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Your soul is the eternal part of you. And he says, so, so fight it. Resist those desires that can throw you off course and knock you off track. And so he admonishes us. Uh, in this world, he said, if you act in a normal way, it will hurt you. Then verse 12 says, live such good lives among the pagans. Now, when he says pagans, who's he referring to? He's just referring to folks who don't understand. You know, non-religious people. You know, they just haven't gotten it yet, haven't realized God's amazing love for them. And so he says, live such good lives among such people that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visits. And so this admonition to us, this challenge to us, this encouragement to us, don't live like normal people live. You've got, you've got, to, you've got to live differently. You know, resist sinful desires and do good things because the people around you who are still searching for the hope that you have found, maybe they'll notice something in you and they'll thank God for it. Live such good lives among them. Even though they accuse you, let me ask you this, are, are people of Christian value and virtue in our culture today, are they ever accused of being bad because of their position? <laughs> happens all the time, happens every day, isn't it? But, but he, Peter says, don't give up because of that. Just keep doing good, living well and doing good. People may notice. When you seek the God of the Bible, he will lead you to a life that is very different. This past week, we lost a great icon of Christian virtue in our culture. His name uh, was Truett Cathy. Truett Cathy was the founder of Chick-fil-A restaurants. And he lived to the age of 93. And I've been fascinated with Truett Cathy's life for many years. I'm so impressed with the, with the corporate culture that he established in Chick-fil-A. And I know some stories and have some secondhand relationship with that. And 
just so impressive. Of course, we all know that Chick-fil-A is not open on Sunday. That's been a long-standing policy with Chick-fil-A because Truett Cathy believed that his employees should be able to go to church and spend the day with their family on Sunday. And Truett Cathy was a great philanthropist, gave away tens and tens and tens of millions of dollars to help needy people, poor people, especially children's causes, uh, taught Sunday school for 50 years. I mean, this is an icon of virtue. This guy was very, very impressive. And I was so curious uh, to know more about his life, and his life actually inspired mine and my family. I was in a Chick-fil-A restaurant one day because, as you know, you know the blessing of God is on, on that business because of the, because of the different style of life that the Cathy's have lived. And it's almost irresistible. It's almost impossible to drive by without pulling in and giving them some money. It's just, it's just crazy. I don't even... <laughs> you know, they're not open on Sunday. It, likes, it makes you desperate on Monday. <laughs> you can't, just can't wait. And, and so I was in the restaurant one time, and, and a display of books that Truett Cathy had written were there, and I, I just grabbed one and just kind of started thumbing through it, and I thought, this is really good. This is inspiring to me, and this would inspire my boys. So I bought them a copy of the book, and I said, let's read this book together. And so I got my boys reading it. Let me just give you one line from that book, and I'll just leave it with you to think about. One line. And Truett Cathy said, it, is, it takes more energy to fail in life than it does to succeed in life. It takes more energy to fail in life than to succeed in life. Then he spends a whole chapter kind of unpacking that. It's absolutely true. I'll just leave that to think about. One other a little anecdote that I, I found on YouTube about Truett Cathy. Because, you know, his funeral was there. 4,000 people attend his funeral. I mean, it's, he's just an unusual person. And I found this news report from a, a TV station in Houston that reported this occasion where a man pulls up at the drive-up window at a Chick-fil-A and he pays for his food, and then he says, I want to pay for the food of the car behind me. And they interviewed this young woman who was working the window at the drive-up, you know, and she said, well, okay. And so he pays for the person behind them. And then when that person pulled up, she announces to him, well, the guy in front of you just paid for your food, so you can, you can go. Here's your food. And, he said, and that guy goes, well, I want to buy the guy's lunch behind me. And so he did that. And then another car, and another car, and another car. And they keep interviewing this woman. And she said, you know, I counted the cars. Listen to this. This is like a miracle. She said, 68 cars in a row bought lunch for the person behind them. How's that even possible? And then she said with a smile, you know, she's just very, really happy to tell the story. She said, and the only reason it stopped is because we ran out of cars. 68 consecutive cars. Of course, you know where you wanted to be in the line, right? <laughs> but then you would have missed out on the blessing, wouldn't you? You know, we've been talking about doing acts of kindness around the city. I wonder if someone might do that this week, just pull in a restaurant somewhere and buy someone's lunch behind them. And then Sunday put a pen in the board. Just a little act of kindness. Might go a long way. See, when you seek the God of the Bible, he will lead you to a life that is very, 
different. And I believe that God is going to help you customize your life. And he's going to give you insight into a better design and plan and purpose for your life. And I think in these next few weeks, I think God is going to speak to many, many of you. For example, I I believe that God may speak to some of you to actually begin to live beneath your means. Because you're burdened by the the, the number of children in the world who are orphaned and, and, and some of these young girls who have been forced into slavery by the tens of millions. It's just a horrible, evil, terrible thing in our world. And there are ministries out there trying to help break that cycle and to rescue these kids. And maybe you'll actually hear God say, I want you to live a little below your means so you can take that extra money and give it to ministries that really matter in the lives of these kids. Some of you in the next few weeks, I believe God will customize a a sense of call in your life to take a job maybe that frees up some of your time to spend more time with your own children or maybe give your time to tutor and mentor some inner city kids through the programs that we have here at Union Chapel and other places. God will speak to you about these things. Maybe God may ask some of you to leave a lucrative job so that you can spend more time with children in your life. There may be others of you that God will call you to go back to the workplace because he knows that you can be an effective witness for him in that place. I believe that God will call some of you to start new ministries. You know, I've looked out over the congregation all weekend now, and I see individuals that God has put his hand on your life, and you've started amazing ministries, all kinds of wonderful designs to to affect change in people's lives and to bless them at the point of their need. I believe God may place his hand on many others of us to do something special in a special time of ministry. I may be speaking to some folks in the context of this weekend service, and God may say to you, you know, that normal, worldly lifestyle that you've been living, that wild lifestyle, and for some of you, that means a, a, a full-on free expression of your sexual energy. It may be that God will speak to you and say, look, I want you to live in a different sort of way. And from now on, I want you to customize your life so you rein in the power of your sexuality and you become determined to manage the power of your own sexuality in a God-honoring way. And that will be the reflection of your life going forward because you've customized in God's best plan for your life a way forward. Maybe for some of you, you will hear in the next few months from your physician, you're going to die, that you're terminal. And it may be the call of God on your life, the specialized call for you in the next year is that you're going to walk through the last days of your life with courage and dignity and hope because you're not normal. You're a different sort of person. You have a sense of eternal destiny and you've placed your confidence and trust in Jesus Christ and his ability to deliver you all the way to the end. And that'll be your call for the next several months. There may be some of you who are going to embrace a different kind of faith. Could I just appeal to maybe some of the young people in the room? That you're, you're going to embrace a kind of faith when maybe your peers will say, look, you can't do that. That's not possible. You can't, you can't climb that hill. You can't overcome those obstacles. You can't make it through that, that, that maze. You can't do it, but your faith will grow and become so strong. It'll be a God kind of faith. And you know that that thing that God has asked you to do, called you to do, is possible because God is with you. You serve a great big God. He's almighty God. He can do anything. And he's with you. 
Some of you are going to be called to that kind of faith. Some of you are going to be called to a, a unique kind of passion in your own spiritual drive. And there'll be people who say to you, you know, I mentioned this last week. There'll be people who say to you, look, dim your lights. Calm down. Slow down. Get, a, get more normal. Get more patient like the rest of us, you know, average Christians. But inside of you, there's going to be this growing fire to do something great for God and to go for God and maybe go to places in the world for God that no one is willing to go, but somehow because of the ignited passion and fire in your own heart, you have to do it. And it'll be your sense of destiny. I promise you, if you give your life to God and submit to His will for your life, say yes to His customized, specialized will for your life, He will put you on an adventure that will be the greatest adventure of your life. You won't be normal anymore. You'll be different. You'll be living your life completely upside down. So I invite you, I beg you to join me and other committed followers of Jesus. If normal's not working for you, it's broke, it's overwhelmed, it's miserable, it's fear, it's shame, it's regret. Listen, it doesn't have to be that way because you can be full of peace and joy and purpose and momentum and fulfillment and making an eternal difference. That's what God calls us to. And one more quick rant and I'll be done. I need to have just a moment to be completely honest with you. I am sick of normal Christianity. I'm tired of it. I'm sick of lukewarm. I'm sick of, me sick of mediocre, of half-hearted, of go to church, go home and not be any different. You know, it's like church calisthenics. Go to church, stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down, say a few prayers, nothing changes, nothing happens, nothing's meaningful, nothing's relevant, go home, nothing changes. Sick of that. Tired of it, sick and tired of it. Risk nothing, sacrifice nothing, give nothing, offer nothing, be nothing. Sick of that kind of Christianity. When I read the scripture and I study the teachings of Jesus, we rehearsed some of those teachings earlier. Let me give you one more and we'll be done. Jesus said... If you want to find your life, you have to lose it. That is completely upside down. If you want to find your life, he said you have to lose it. You see, the great adventure in life, real life begins when you surrender your life, losing it for Christ's sake. It's in that moment that the, that the, that the great mystery is revealed, that the great understanding, the great clarity of faith comes into focus. That's when it begins to happen in a person's life, when they say, it's not about me, it's all about you, and I'm going to surrender my life, I'm going to lose my life. That's different. That's different. You can spend your life going to church once a week and, you know, keeping a lukewarm faith best you can. But friends, when worship for you becomes a seven-day-a-week passion, that's when you become the God kind of different. Yeah. Wholehearted, fully surrendered. You can settle for normal, or you can choose something better than normal. If you want what normal people have, then do what normal people do. You know, sweetheart, sir, you want to be normal, then just do what normal people do. Young person, you want to be normal? You want to blend in? You don't want to stand out? You don't want to be distinctive in any way? You don't want to really go all out for God? Then just do what normal people do. Just get in the current and let it take you. 
It'll carry you for, for decades, all the way to the end of your life. You'll just be average. You'll be normal. If that's what you want, then do what normal people do. But if you want what few people have, then you'll have to do what few people do. And God will put you on a journey that you will never regret. He has great plans in store for you if you're willing to be different. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. Let's pray. Father, I, I pray that you would speak to your people this morning, that we would be different because we are in your presence. And friends, as you're praying, some of you would say, you know, Pastor Greg, I'm a committed Christian. I believe with all of my heart that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died for me. I've surrendered completely to him. But I admit, life has happened, and I've been dragged back into normal. Let me just tell you very bluntly, let me be, just be honest with you personally, that in my life as a pastor, even someone who does spiritual things for a living, that if I'm not alert, if I'm not sharp, if I'm not careful, if I'm not on my game, I'm telling you, the pull and force of this world is so strong, it takes me out of the God kind of different and can do it in a moment. And I just start living for the normal, useless things again. But those of you who are committed Christians, you're devoted followers of Jesus, you'd say, there's way too much normal in my life. And I want to fall so in love with him that being different is not my goal, but pleasing God, that's my goal. And upside down, that's just the necessary byproduct of pursuing God. I want to be different in a God kind of way. Listen, if that's you today, would you lift up your hands right now? Just lift them up. Just say that, I, you know, I admit normal has crept into my life. I want to be different. So many. Thank you so much. God, I pray in the name of your risen, risen son, Jesus Christ, that we would fall so in love with you, that your word would be our daily driving force that guides us off the broad path and onto the narrow one that leads us to a life of everlasting meaning. And God, I pray that you would begin even now speaking to your people about their own custom kind of upside down, that specialized sense of call, all sorts of different things that could move, move us out of the normal life and into one that would please you, that would make an eternal difference. God, I thank you that in the next few weeks you're going to speak to your people and you're going to lead them to that customized plan for their life. And though, God, some will not understand, I pray that they would live such good lives among people who are still seeking that one day the rest of the world would say, I don't know what it is about you, but I want what you have. I'll do what few people do to have what few people have. God, lead us into your perfect will. And as you keep praying, perhaps there are some of you that are going to look at your life and you're going to say, you know what? I'm just totally eaten up with normal Normal for me, even though I went to church. Normal for me, even though I believe in God. I was stuck in a normal that took me down. Maybe your story is that normal leads to pain. And that's where some of you are. And you're thinking there's got to be something more. And there is. Some of you have grown up around normal Christianity. You just took everything for granted. You believed in God. But you never have really known Christ. Guess what? Today's the day you're going to get to know him. You're going to be different, forever different. Some of you, you're in the middle of a very normal, wild lifestyle. 
You say, I'd like to give my life to God, but I'm, I'm just not good enough. I've, I've got to clean up my life before I leave this broad path and get on the narrow one. I've got to change some things first. Listen to me. I'm going to tell you right now, you cannot change your life without the power of God. Can't do it. Jesus invites you to step through the narrow gate. Step through. Believe on Him. And He will meet you there. It's not by your good works. It's by His goodness. His grace. It's not about what you do. It's about what He has done. You want to talk about an upside down way to save the world? Think about this. Almighty God became one of us in the person of His Son, Jesus Christ, who lived a perfect life and shed His blood to die and on the third day be raised again so that now whosoever calls on His name will be forgiven. You're forgiven and saved not because of you, but because of Him. Now listen, all over this campus, many others online, there are many of you, and you know it, you're way too normal, and you want something better. Here it is. Jesus is the way. He's the truth. He is the life. So today, call on Him. Holy surrender to Him. Some of you in your life, you've prayed little churchy prayers before, but today is the day that you radically, completely leave the normal path to pursue Jesus with all of your heart. Now, all over our campus, those of you who would say, that's me, I want to give my life to Him. I'm sick of normal. I want to please Him. I need His salvation. I want to give my life to Jesus. If that's you today, would you just lift your hand right now? Just say, yes, that's me. That's me. Good, good. So many. I'm so proud of you. So good. So now all of the people praying together, pray aloud after me. Pray, Heavenly Father, take my life. Help me to leave the normal path to follow you. Save me, Jesus, from my sins. Make me new. Fill me with your spirit so I can follow you. Thank you for new life. Make it count for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.